Hey everyone, before we get started with this episode, we wanted to give a quick word of warning. Our voices sound a little bit funky in a couple spots in this episode. That's because we're trying out a new setup for our podcast because we are videoing it as well. Um, And our voices just sound a little bit goofy. So just a word of warning that isn't your speakers, that is uh, a technical difficulty on our end that we're gonna try and get resolved for the next episode. So that being said, without further ado, episode 78. Hello, and welcome to season three of the 21 Handshake Marketing Podcast. We are super excited to be back this season and to talk more about digital marketing strategies and tactics that you can apply to your business for a successful 2020. That is really what we love to do here at 21 Handshake. We love to inform everyone what is working out in the marketplace, what tactics are effective, and what trends you should capitalize on, and what evergreen tactics are always working. And that is what we'll also be focusing on this season of the podcast, guys. Consider us your coach listeners, and we are giving you the playbook for a successful 2020. Also new for this season, we are posting behind the scenes video. So please head over to our social media. You can find us everywhere at 21 Handshake to see us make funny expressions at each other during the show or to see how many times I casually move my microphone or I talk with my hands or any of us just slip up or have a funny moment. You might even spy one of us not paying attention as we get distracted by our phone or email. It happens. It's life. So anyways, it'll be fun. Again, it happens all over on social media at 21 Handshake. You can find any of our social media links from our website um, at 21handshake.com. So anyways, let's introduce ourselves in case you are new here and you're stumbling across our marketing podcast. I'm Sarah, an account manager here at 21 Handshake and the host of the show. I'm Ashley. I'm also an account manager. My name is Alex. I'm a creative manager. All right. Well, to recap from season two, if you remember, maybe you don't remember because you are brand new, but if you remember, we ended last season by talking in detail about our nine step digital process marketing system. Wow. Can I get the name wrong there? (laughs) Somehow having video makes me super nervous and I'm not usually nervous. I feel like I'm one of our clients. It's also been a few weeks since we've recorded a podcast episode with the holiday season. So it might be um, a slow warm up. Yeah, I feel like it is today. Anyways, our nine step digital marketing system, it takes businesses of any size. So whether you are a small entrepreneur or whether you're a bigger company who brings in tons of revenue, it takes them from market research to market authority in nine steps. So if you missed any of those podcasts, go back and listen. And if you just want a recap of the process, like give me the high overview, I recommend episode 68. Again, it's that high level overview. It'll go through each step quickly, tell you what it is, put it on your listen to rotation. So next time you're in the car, put it on. You can find our podcast everywhere. So no problem. Just pull it up on any app that you listen to podcasts. We can't rave enough about the process and how it has helped so many of our clients achieve marketing success. So to kick off season three, we're jumping back on the bandwagon of top trends for marketing in 2020. But You know, I say bandwagon because everybody is talking about trends right now, but we really do love trend reports here. And we think it's super important for you to know what trends experts are predicting. 
Yes, we are experts, but there are other people out there who are much bigger than us and much more detailed involved in these reports. And it's good to take notice of what they are predicting for the year. So if you recall this season, we are focused on coaching. And I believe good coaches always take notice of what new tactics are taking place out there in the marketplace so they can adjust their strategy accordingly. And of course, that also comes with a little caveat here. Not all trends are gonna work for everybody. Just because this trend is working for someone, it may mean that you might need to go back to an evergreen tactic. So this season, we're gonna cover all of that, and I'm so super excited about it. So anyways, we are breaking up our trends today into five areas of focus, including content, social, SEO, website, and video. And we might have a surprise sixth trend because any good coach knows that the sixth man is key for boosting the spirit of the team. Right, guys? I like that. Little, little sports analogy there. So let's dive into what's trending in content. Ashley, we love Neil Patel around here. If you have not heard of him and you're in the marketing space, honestly, I don't know how you haven't heard of him. <laughs> he is everywhere. He's a younger guy, only in his 30s, but he has always been at the forefront of marketing ever since he broke out into the scene. He has a great perspective on anything digital and is always way ahead of the game when it comes to knowing what is going to happen next. So what does he predict for content this year? So surprise, surprise, content is not going anywhere. It's still very, very important when it comes to your digital marketing strategy. Um, this year, if you're going to focus on increasing your amount of content you're producing on um, social media or just even on your website, um, Neil Patel says to make it um, like Google friendly, right? I mean, we've talked about this a lot in the podcast in the past, but very specifically um, making sure that it's easy for Google to read, to understand what the content piece is about, and therefore help you rank better on Google search. Right. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more under SEO. But Google has also a little bit changed how they are ranking content and how content is being found. Again, we'll dive into that more here in a little bit, but just a little preview of another trend. Yeah, yeah. So um, Neil points out that there are over a billion blog posts, yes. right? That's hard to get found. Right. <laughs> and so if you're going to do blog content, um, make, making sure you know it's fitting what Google is looking for. So when we talk about what Google is focusing on, they're really looking for um, those, they're called rich snippets. They're basically the answers to people Google, the questions people are Googling. Right, so those are, you go, you Google what you're looking for, you come up, it says like ads, and then right under that. Big box big box with bigger text than everything else. Um, and it usually poses an answer pulled from an article. Um, and it's usually only a couple sentences long. So if you are writing a blog article that answers a question, like a frequently asked question, make sure that somewhere in that article, um, there is a couple of sentences that answer the question that might help you be the article in that box. Yeah, I remember, this was only maybe like two months ago, finding one of our clients was in an answer box and it was super niche topic, but still I was super excited that HVAC for this company was in the answer box and they were the authority. You know, so people are gonna look there. And what is one other thing about the answer box though, though that is kind of maybe gonna skew with that traffic to your site? 
Um, well, one thing is definitely making sure that you have the proper headings. Yeah. Um, that just helps Google crawl your website better, uh, making it easier to find those answers. Right. Yeah. And people might not click over to your site either, which is a that huge is new yeah. kind of thing that um, is developing out so there. So something to consider, say you are in that answer box in terms of analytics um, and just knowing people's behaviors, right? So if I'm searching for a question, I'm going to see the answer in the search, right? I'm not going to have to click into the article in order to get the answer. So maybe that that's something to know. Yeah, it's definitely something to consider because no longer, I mean, you just can't sit back and be like, oh, Google, they rule the world. Well, I mean, they do rule the internet, at least here in the US. And we just we just got to go with it and just try to see what's in those answer boxes and do better than whoever's in there. And, you know, in the end, you might end up getting in there. So anyways, something else that Neil um, hits on in this piece of content that he released for 2020 um, is focusing on the EAT method. So that's expertise, authority, and trustworthy. And I think if you focus on those three things anytime you create a piece of content, whether that's video, like a Insta stories, um, blog article, whatever, if you focus on those three and making sure that you're checking those boxes, you'll probably come out um, pretty successful. Yes, definitely. Definitely agree with that. Go eat. Go eat. <laughs> in all areas of life. So anyways, while we're on the content little train here, our second trend has to do with social. And we love social, but what are some trends that are happening out there right now? Yeah. So in 2019, we talked a lot about privacy, right? Like this is not surprising to anyone. 2019 was the year of privacy. Um, and that's not going to go away, but it is interesting to point out that for 2020, you are going to want to have a good balance of that, right? pulling in those privacy um, tactics while also maintaining a, um, a very consistent public um, face. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so in this article, this uh, very well done trends report by Hootsuite, um, another um, company that we really love, um, they, you know, they say to have a good balance of both, right? So that might be um, maintaining posting publicly to increase brand awareness, um, and um, on platforms, so they bring up a few. Obviously, Instagram, Twitter is continuing to grow. Um, also, TikTok. This has been a conversation in our office for the yeah. past few weeks. How to use TikTok? <laughs> Stay tuned for maybe yeah. another podcast episode. But um, so those are platforms that they are seeing are growing. So those are ones you'll want to maintain a public presence on, just posting regularly to right. the feed of helpful content. Um, but maybe also pulling in a private, like a private avenue. So suggesting like um, if you have like more questions on this topic, feel free to private message us so we can give you like a more like personalized answer, which again is maybe something else you should focus on this year is personalization. Yes. Um, or private groups. Uh, we have this closed group for these top 100 people that have all and you get all these benefits right that's another private channel that you can um, provide value to customers yeah and i've seen groups really take off on facebook and it'll be interesting to see if that takes off on instagram because they're trying to push for that with like a group direct message um and i am not sure that i've seen brands really do it yet but we'll see that could change um you know i also heard too just something to keep in mind um you know we're always 
as consumers, I think a little bit concerned, oh, who's monopolizing kind of the space of anything? You know, at one time it was, who's the big phone companies out there? And who's, you know, this has just happened historically. Right now, Facebook, if you don't realize it, owns the four biggest social media apps. They own Facebook, Instagram, Messenger, and WhatsApp. Okay, like these are all here to stay. They're not going anywhere. And I think as a brand, when you're considering search for the new year, you just need to figure out what platform is applicable to your audience. Are they your parents' age, 55 and older? Go to Facebook. Are they, you know, Instagram kind of, yeah, it goes across the board. Um, You know, but just like go where your audience is and really figure that out. And I think that will make your social so much more successful this year. So anyways, moving on to the third trend, we kind of brought it up briefly when we talked about content, but SEO. So this was kind of a bigger update that um, Google made at the end of October. They announced a new change in their algorithm called BERT. Now, Lots of technical (laughs) jargon out there around BERT. But to put it simply, Google can now return more accurate, better results for more complex and conversational long tail search terms. So the example they gave, and I'm just going to use it, they said people might type in, can you get medicine for someone pharmacy? No complete thought there. Kind of like, what did the person mean? That is what BERT is about. They are trying to figure that out better what the person's intent was. And now they're going to return more relevant information for that. So before they might have just pulled up local pharmacies, um, maybe, you know, like some laws about can you get medicine for other people? But now they're going to pull up you know, like just more specific results. Maybe the local pharmacy has a blog post on, you know, that specific location, being able to pick up, you know, someone else's, what, you know, information you're going to need to bring with you to the pharmacy. So they are just really trying to figure out what was that person's intent when they were searching. So what you want to do to kind of take advantage of this, because I don't think, I mean, this is not going to change. Google is going to keep getting smarter about trying to figure out what a person really means. And they're also going to be doing better at the voice search as well, because that is changing as well. So focus on the long tail, focus on your user intent. This has been preached for years and people continue just to try to stuff their post with keywords. It's not going to work anymore. You want to really drill down into what that person needs are when they are Googling something. So focus on what answers the users need next as well. So can you get medicine for someone pharmacy? Okay, answer that. But then what is the user going to want next? What other stuff they can buy at the pharmacy? What questions they might ask the pharmacist? You know, any of those are also going to be relevant as well. So understand who your audience is, understand how they are searching. And again, this might come back to really digging into that demographic of who you're trying to reach as well. You know, I'm sure, Alex, your dad is going to search much differently on Google than you are. Absolutely. So understand who your audiences are and what questions they are asking. And that is going to get you better SEO. So that's just a little part of SEO was trending. We'll probably have to do a whole nother episode on bigger trends that are happening in the SEO world. But just um, to give you a little snippet of information there of what to really focus on, that's 
going to be the most important this year. So the next one we have our website trends. Of course, websites are always hot to talk about. And actually, I, you know, they're a little less talked about in the trend reports. But, um, I, you know, I didn't want to skip this one because it's so important. I know every time we meet with a new client, they always, oh, well, how's our website? Can you give us a perspective on your website? It's always like the first thing they want to talk about. Right. <laughs> so this trend report comes from 99designs, which is a great company. We've actually used some of them before just to kind of get, you know, bounce around ideas for designs. But here are what their top trends are for websites. Dark mode, which incidentally, we also just talked about the other day in the <laughs> office and how we need to adapt even our email signatures to dark mode. Um, hand-drawn elements are going to be big this year in web design because they add an emotional touch. Um, so I think in the past, maybe hand-drawn stuff, people were like, oh, it doesn't look professional. But now brands have to humanize their brand and adding some hand-drawn items just really does add kind of a personal little feel to it. Floating elements are going to be big. Photography with elements. So maybe you're combining hand-drawn with professional photography. So there you still get a little I've professional feel. I've actually been fill. seeing a lot of that on Instagram, honestly. Yeah. So definitely just people are trying to stand out and also just kind of just bring it a more casual feel. Like um, I can go to this website and just, you know, not only be amazed because it looks terrific, but I can just feel immediate connection to it. And there's a move away from full bleed websites, which is interesting. Yeah. So can, we're, you, can you explain what a full bleed website is? Yeah. So is? a full bleed would be you go to a website and it takes up the whole space. The big hero image is what is at the top, our video, and it takes up the whole space. The design that is coming down the line is a move back from that, which is actually something that was popular in the past. It's kind of more boxing in your styles. So not so much like way back when it used to be all the box around the whole page. And you that's could, all I can picture. And I'm just like, yeah, how are we going to move back? Yeah, to that? Like, yeah. Yeah. So but it's more just kind of like, you know, like maybe a small outline to kind of draw the eye. I suspect, is, do you think that's maybe been that way so that it's easier on designers to to work across, you know, a, a, a desktop site, an iPad, how it looks on iPad and then on iPhone? It kind of like, it it adds a little bit more restriction. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, looking at the examples that they had on 99designs.com, it's definitely not like where it used to be like the weird funky like thing around like when I say box around it it's just like solid frames of white space so we're mm -hmm. looking at some of the examples and do you know what this reminds me of do you remember on Instagram before there were like all of these editing apps you would want to like or before Instagram allowed you to do photos and any other sides besides any other size besides a square then people would put that like white border on the oh, yeah. side. Yes, yeah. That's what the style reminds me of. Yeah, it definitely is hearkening to a minimalist design. Um, big word out there right now, especially if you like to look at food stuff at all. Minimalism is very in right now. And so is that on your website. <laughs> so something to keep in mind Um that minimalist navigation, getting people where they need to go right away, that kind of kind of humanizing look 
to the website, as well as drawing the eye kind of with these white spaces around it, as well as dark mode as well. So. And- we might have to explain what dark mode means. I don't know that everyone yeah, maybe would know, not everybody but. has the fancy iOS and has dark mode. So, so dark mode became really popular recently on iOS because they added it as a feature for the entire software. You, up until this point, I, I think it might have been available on Android, but um, generally there is kind of like an app by app feature. I know Twitter had it. I know Facebook Messenger had it, yeah, and it's basically where like the whole the the background is kind of a darker gradient. And then the text is white instead yeah. of so vice it's like versa. inverted as opposed to having like a white background with black. Is this supposed to exactly. be better for our eyesight or something? Or is it just purely for visual? So I know that um, at least on iOS, there's a setting where you can ask that dark mode only comes on in the evening at in the evening. Okay. So I think that there might be something to be said for it being a little bit less strain on the eyes instead of looking at a bright white light you know when yeah. you're in bed or something mm-hmm. um and the rest of the room is in dark dark around you it's a little bit easier to look at i think personally um and it, it also just kind of adds like a, a little switch up to how to how things look i guess it i think it's more of a design thing I, they might play a little bit off of you know it's better for your eyes at night or something right. yeah. but get you I, into your sleep mode with the dark mode yeah <laughs> some people love dark mode some people hate it i do have the feature on where it switches to dark mode at night but I, like I it. but yeah. I think the important in the relevancy back to websites in this is that um, so for example um, something that we noticed is um, our email signatures are are like a JPEG um, like we yeah. have all the information yeah. kind of like in a picture on a white background so it looks like our email signature is flush with the rest of the email now with dark mode um, a lot of people especially if you're on mobile um, a lot of people's email are that black background with white text, but our email signature still comes up as like a white background with our text. So something to consider is just making sure the elements would, um, I guess, like cooperate with that. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to work for every website. Um, You know, maybe if you're a very modern company, a very sleek company, um, maybe design, technology, something like that, I think it's going to work really well um, to kind of bring that dark mode to your website. It really makes other... Um, say your company maybe has a bright pop of color in the logo, but the other part of your kind of branding is monotone. Um, it's going to really make that bright color pop. Um, and they do say that it's better for o- OLED screens. With, and it saves power and extends screen lifespans. So anyways, I guess that's probably why it's popular, but it just looks cool. Organic LED screens. The reason that is is because... Um, a, a a pixel that is turned off on an OLED screen, it's the color is pure black. And so uh, color changes happen on screens when there's basically an input for the pixel to change. Otherwise, its standard is pure black. And if your, your screen background is pure black, it has to provide less power to change colors constantly. So it lasts longer. Ah, from the words of Alex, always knowledgeable in everything, this kind of technical depth, which is uh, you know, out of my realm. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's move on to speaking of more technical stuff. Our fifth trend has to do with video. What is going on in the video world right now? Video is an interesting place right now. So what we do see is that the predictions say uh uh, ad spend will continue to rise on social platforms for video. Um, but what we do see is that the, it could either stagnate or even lower a little bit in the, the advertising spend for TV world. Oh, yeah. Um, not not that. super surprising. 
what is surprising though, looking at these graphs, um, the spend for video advertisement on social is still, even though it's growing and will continue to grow, it is still way behind the amount of money that is spent on traditional TV advertising. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing because I would just think more and more brands just are you know jumping Do more. Do you on think social. that's because advertising on TV is a lot more expensive? Yeah, I think it's a lot more expensive. I think there still is a lot of volume there, and I think the the people who are advertising on there are generally trying to reach a pretty wide audience. I mean, if you think about the commercials that you see on there, it's a lot of medicine, it's a lot of t- uh, car yeah. ads and things like that. Yeah, big budgets. Those types of things apply to a lot of people. Um, I mean, you do see on some more like local networks, some more personalized content, obviously. But I mean, to, to put this into perspective, the um, the spending on on online video in 2019 was f- approximately $45 billion. Um, the ad spend on TV in 2019 was $183 billion. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we got some growth there still. Yeah. So we're behind that five or six fold. Wow. And I think just because we're probably so integrated into this world of social media and social media ads that we automatically think like, who, what on TV? Like no one even watches TV unless you're maybe watching <laughs> was, the Super Bowl. <laughs> I was going to say as a millennial, I've not paid for cable and like ever. <laughs> I know. I literally had the thought today we were talking about getting a new TV so we could get Disney plus app for my kids. And on the way here, all of a sudden, I'm like, why? But why? Like, they don't even watch TV. Like, why would we buy another TV? They're just on their devices. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, so, sort of in parallel with with these TV ad spends, what we do see the the trend going towards for um, social specifically for video is more personalization, and I suspect that's why. Um, the, the ad spend might be a little bit lower because you're going at much smaller audiences and you don't have to spend as much money to reach those people. Yeah, it's not such the brat, the broad, the brad, the broad, um, just you know, car ad that you mentioned. It's the, you know, we are trying to reach the user who is 28, wants the sleekest design in a car, wants this feature, that feature. And you can get really targeted. Exactly. And you have to spend less money to, to reach those yeah. people. Um, but so what we are seeing is that um, in terms of the qualities for consumer decision making online, um, the most successful characteristic that you can have is you're, if you're reflecting a specific product or service that that person is owned or in, owns or is interested in. Um, so, so when we talk about video personalization, it doesn't have to be something that you necessarily feel like is talking to you directly, but if it's something that is, that is addressing a topic or an interest that you have. So for example, you know, instead of just having a 21 handshake brand story that tells everything about what we do, it would be useful for, for a potential person to visit our site to, to maybe view um, a video on each of the nine steps in our, in our marketing process. Something that's, that's short, maybe 30 to 60 seconds, but they feel like is, is, is personalized to that step. They can learn a little bit more about it on their own time without having to reach out to somebody else. Yeah, totally. Video is, I mean, if you are, I'm going to just make a bold statement here. If you're in marketing and you aren't doing video, just why not? Um, Because video is so huge right now. And I think I was watching this Neil Patel, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, but he's just like, everyone's doing video. 
You know, everyone has figured it out how to do video, how to do it low cost, how to use their phone for it, how to live video it. And so just kind of just go do it. You know, there's just a, such a low barrier to entry right now. Such a low barrier. Such a low barrier. It's not, doesn't need to be a big production anymore. You can go live multiple places right away um, from your phone and just talk to your audience and you know, no matter if it's a polished video or a raw video, people soak it up, you know? That's where people's attention are. And so just go do it. <laughs> Agreed. So to that point, actually, that's a perfect segue into the next thing I was going to talk about. I got two more topics. All right. So there is a myth that, I don't want to say a myth, but generally people agree that the shorter the video, the better. People's attention spans are very short and that you don't have a lot of time to get your message across. Now, generally, that does, according to this survey, that does seem to be the case. So you have zero to two minutes um, to to really, for the most part, get a person's attention, get them to watch the video. That's like, that's the amount of time that you should try to be, try to be working in. Now, understandably, like if you have a more complex offering or something like that, maybe it's a little bit longer, fine. Um, but across in this survey, um, the videos in the zero to two minute category got an average retention of 51%. Okay. So that's that's not terrible. No, I would that's consider pretty that good. pretty successful. Yeah, now, pretty the at the very other end of this graph, there is videos that are 50, 45 minutes plus. And so when you're getting into that range, it's probably, I mean, maybe a podcast type video, yep. maybe it's more of just like a web a recorded webinar type thing. But the retention rate for that um, was surprisingly high as well. Like the engagement is 30%. Again, in the marketing world, I think we would consider that pretty successful. Yeah, for a long video, especially. Yeah. So now, obviously, the the context to what those length videos are definitely varies. Um, you know, you're not going to get, you're not going to be talking about the same thing as your two minute video as a 45 minute long video. But there is a time and a place for long video. If you have the proper audience and the context to talk about it, people will watch it. Um, so that's that's just an interesting observation. I think we we generally err on the side of make it as short as possible, but there definitely is a space for longer videos. Yeah, there is. And I think that comes back to a knowing your audience, knowing where it fits in your marketing funnel to throw mm-hmm. out a kind of marketing speak word there. If someone is at the decision point in their funnel, they're going to watch a 45 minute video. Right. Hands down, no problem. You've hooked them in. They are eager to learn. Whereas an awareness video where you just might want to, you know, drum up their interest and really kind of hook them in. Maybe that's more of your shorter video. Totally. And, and, and that's a very good point. Uh, you know, if somebody's just scrolling through their, their Facebook feed, they're not just going to stop and watch a 45 minute video ad exactly. for, for an awareness for, for the awareness stage. But anyway, one, one last little fun thing that seems to be a big trend moving forward is 360 video, 360 video. Uh, the the platforms for making 360 video are getting a lot cheaper and a lot better and a lot more user friendly. It used to be these crazy contraptions of like six GoPros like strapped together that you had to then stitch together individually in crazy platforms. But now they come in these little one, single GoPro size packages and 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 you don't even need extra software. It just it communicates properly with like your Premiere Pro or your Final Cut. So you can just drop it into your editing software or whatever it is and and use that footage. Um, which is super cool. I think it's, it's a niche thing. I don't think, 
similar to drones you won't it, it's a very nice like sprinkle to put on top of video mm -hmm. it's not something that you can tell an entire story off of um i think similar to drones when people see 360 video over the next couple of years it'll kind of like they'll they'll, they'll stop and look yeah. at it because yeah, it, it is something different. unique it is something different Thumb stopper yeah um but at the end of the day if you want people to stick around for video you got to have something to, to tell that's interesting well yeah so. that's true and if the 360 video is and actually i think i might have to go look that up i don't know if i've seen many of those i out was there. gonna ask alex what are some of the companies that are working on them like, yeah we'll put this in our products. show notes so you can go check it out if you're unfamiliar with the 360 uh one that's off the top of my head i think is called insta 360 oh, okay. and there might be there's another company that i want to say has action in the name or something like that okay a lot of the more tech type youtubers have reviewed them i yeah. mean if you if you go sure in, if you google it you would figure yeah it if you out. go on youtube and just search um 360 camera review there will be there will be plenty of options that pop up and they're and they're pretty affordable too they're kind of in the gopro price range of like maybe 250 to 500 dollars yeah so definitely if you're a type of business i think that would benefit from something like that i don't know maybe like construction industry that, that's what came to mind yeah. um if you you got a cool boutique and you want to show what it looks like and so people can kind of like choose they can kind of like pan around the video however okay. they want so really okay so it's just like that but it's getting easier okay so yes. actually we do have even just a relevant client who did just do this for their design center um our client New England Building Supply. So we'll actually put that in our notes so you go check that out because they do have a 360 video doing a virtual tour. So it's basically just like a virtual tour then, right? Like you could, yeah. Like, or, you know. You could use it in that in that way for okay. sure. Another like um, good example might be like parks and recreation, like oh, yeah. trails or oh, yeah. That'd be um, cool. interior design. Oh, I can Definitely. see it's being big for interior design. So yeah, it like you said, like I'm looking here, you can buy one for $70 or all the way up to 8,000. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> you, will, you will get what you pay for. Exactly. As, as, as with any camera. As with any camera. So, all right. Any other video trends? That's about it. All right, cool. And here, as promised, our sixth man coming in to boost the team spirit here, brand. So I wanted to take a moment to talk about brand because it's a huge conversation out there right now. And I know it seems a bit ambiguous to say just brand, make sure your brand's on point. So without any context. So here is a little bit of the best explanation that I could find to kind of drill this down from um, both Forbes and Neil Patel. Again, I know we keep mentioning him, but just he's so on top of the trends out there. So he is calling this brand um, kind of trend your moat. So if you think of back in the day, you had castles and it had a moat protecting them from invaders. So in this day and age, moats are disappearing around businesses. It's no longer that you have a super secretive process. It's no longer that you have a super secretive service. It's no longer that you have a super super secretive product. You know, I mean, there still are some businesses. I think of Alex's dad, once again, has a great business who has a really cool product that there's really no one out there in the marketplace doing. But um, for the most part, there is always someone else who's going to be doing this the same thing that you're doing. So what is kind of your moat? Well, that's your brand. That is the story behind your brand. That is the connection point that you're making with your specific customers, your specific clients, your prospects. Forbes is calling this brandscaping, to use another word. So I kind of like that a little bit better than moat, which, you know, you just think of the medieval thing. Um, 
it's getting noisier and noisier out there in the marketplace. And it just requires a brand to have steadfast focus and purity. Because if your message isn't clear, it's not consistent, it's not constant, you're just going to get, you know, no one paying attention to it. So you need to identify the thing for which you want to be known. You know, don't sing the same thing as everyone else. Don't sing the same note all the time, you know, or don't sing the same note as them. Sing your specific note. Really drill down onto what makes you different. And hint, it's not going to be, our team's the best. We have better service and better quality. Well, everyone has better service and better quality. You better figure out what you want to be known for, and you better start broadcasting that or brandscaping that. So... Yeah, that's my last one to to end on here. And I feel super passionate about that because you are going to get people that buy into your story. Um, What makes it different? And I just think of a recent conversation we just had with a prospective client and I got to thinking more about their brand later. And I was kind of like, I don't know who this person that your brand is supposed to be named after but I read an article about why they named their brand that. And I was like thinking, this is why you got to tell the story. Like you named it this because of this close person to you that died of brain cancer. Now, not everybody knows someone that dies, died of brain cancer or some horrific disease, but everybody has been touched by suffering. And if you tell your story in such a way that creates an emotional connection, we named our brand this because it was an honor. People are going to connect with that because what's, you know, we all want to honor somebody that maybe something happened to and how cool to be tied, you know, into that. So anyways, that would be an example of brandscaping. And that's a little bit of a deeper one. But just find out what consistent message you can tell about your brand that is going to connect with people. And that's something that we challenge our clients with that fairly frequently. Yes, it's, you it's, do a great job at this, Alex. Well, and it, it's a lot of a lot of companies will say because they have never been challenged on it necessarily because they they maybe don't they don't think about brand or marketing as much but it you can't just say we're better because we have better service or better quality we a lot of times we say show me don't just tell me and so it's think of actual stories in which that kind of played out tell me a time where you like really helped a customer really went above and beyond or tell me a way that this product is super unique um within the marketplace that you serve and then how that worked within you know the first person who used it what was like the setting that and then how did that change their experience with this with this niche or product whatever so it's it's Anybody can say that they've been in business for 25, well, maybe not everyone can say that, <laughs> but they, everyone can say that they've been in business for X amount of years. So therefore they, you know, they but must have experience, anything, but that yeah. doesn't exactly, that doesn't mean anything. Show me, don't just tell me. Well, and I heard this as well um, from someone recently too. They were talking about different coffee shops that they recommend to people and they were like, Hey, there's a coffee shop around my corner super busy. I go there because it's convenient. No one knows my name, even though I've been there a million times. There's a more expensive coffee shop across town, but I go there. The baristas remember the last conversation we had. They're in tune with what I'm in tune to. Mm-hmm. They remember my name. I they feel ask valued. about my dog. And she was like, who do you think I, re- what coffee shop do I recommend more? She's like, the more expensive one. 
because of the like personal connection and the feeling I get. So, I mean, gosh, if you think of it as simple as that. And, and, and totally that brand is not just the visual representation of your business. It is, it is, if anything, it is, it is how people feel when they interact with your brand. And part of that can be the the visual content and stuff like that. But that that is what's going to keep that person coming back. They don't care if, like, if the logo doesn't look good or something right. like that. They're, they're going to want to come back because they had that great experience and that great feeling. Exactly. And so that's what we mean when we talk about branding. And I'm sure this is a conversation that we will continue to have over the course of season three. So those are trends. Those are trends we're keeping an eye on this year. There's a tons more out there. And, you know, I like to think of it just like fashion. One day something might be in trend and the next day it might not. <laughs> so that's why we are excited to announce Coach by 21 Handshake. Yes, you heard that right. We will coach you as you navigate marketing and the marketing landscape. If you're not sure where to go next, if you need to be held accountable for your marketing, if you need to be told what to do next, that is what coaching will provide you. It's a blueprint for success built from our nine-step process, but finely tuned to your unique business, our brand. So if you want to know more, connect with us at 21handshake.com because we want to coach you to be successful in 2020. I am so darn excited about the coach that, yeah, I just can't help but rave about it and be so excited about it. So I hope that you go and you check it out, connect with us because we would love to help your brand or business. So if you loved this episode, we need your help in 2020 to spread the word about our podcast. So please leave us a review and share it with a friend. It's so much appreciated. Until next time.